Are you a non-native English-speaking entrepreneur who wants to take your business to the next level? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, if only I could speak the language better, I would be a lot further along? When I first came to Germany from California and started my own business, I asked myself the very same question. The common thing that stands in the way of us improving our skills in our business and language communication is fear. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's possible for you to improve your English and grow your business at the same time. I've created a method that is not only fast and efficient, brain-friendly and fun, but will also connect you with other like-minded entrepreneurs at the same time. It's a win-win situation. I'm Sharon Kuster, and this is English for Entrepreneurs. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Mara Forrester and her insights on juggling the life of a busy mom while creating her online coaching business. This week, I'm joined by two very special guests, Jason and Celia, who entrepreneurs who have transitioned their business into serving financial planners worldwide and also share some of their intercultural experiences while living in Japan. All the way from Osaka, Japan, my next guests, Celia Pokinghorn and Jason Haidar, know all about life as entrepreneurs and the challenges of a foreign language while living in another country. They are the founders of Bonsai Digital Marketing, a company that supports financial planners and advisors to reach their ideal clients and grow their businesses. I am so happy to welcome both of you here today. Thanks Thank you, Sharon. Yeah, thanks, Sharon. Thanks for having us. Welcome. First of all, could you give us a brief summary about how you ended up living and doing business in Japan and starting your current business? Go ahead. Yeah, so long story, but we both came over to Japan as English teachers, mm -hmm. and then we just kind of evolved things from there. So I started writing curriculum. Jason started doing photography and social media management at the company we worked for, which was an um, English language company in Japan. And then we got asked to edit a local travel magazine yeah. here. And through that, we got lots of kind of copywriting and digital marketing work. And then eventually we decided to take all the skills we'd kind of garnered and apply it to financial planning businesses just because we noticed a bit of a gap with financial planners. We noticed they weren't very good at positioning themselves in the marketplace and attracting their ideal clients. And we had had so much trouble finding a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why we decided to do it. And yeah, that's the journey we're on. Yep. Wonderful. How is living in Japan and running your business in a foreign country been for you both it's been pretty good yeah, hasn't it yeah. um luckily we, we can, can do work every like so we're here in osaka but yeah since we can kind of work from home or anywhere really like because we can work remotely it's in most of our clients are in australia so it hasn't mm -hmm. been yeah the first, hasn't been bad the all, first actually. year was tricky because yeah. we didn't have our business registered um in australia so we were on the mm. japanese tax system and, um, you know, obviously doing taxes in a foreign language and a foreign country. Oh, is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say. So that, yeah, yeah. But then 
we got the business registered in Australia. Obviously, that wasn't an issue anymore, but that was um, certainly tricky. But lucky we did find a nice Japanese accountant who spoke a bit of English as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that helps, that was right? A big challenge. Yeah, yeah. Right. How long have you had the new business, Bonsai Marketing? Almost it's under a year now, right? We started in October last year. It's hard okay. to say. Yeah. yeah. I guess we started in earnest in October last year. So we've been doing it just on a year now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So tell us a little bit about your background. You both have very interesting backgrounds. Where did you grow up, for example? So um, I'm originally from Monterey, California. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up there. And then I also went to uh, university down in uh, San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. So I've lived my entire life in, I lived my entire life in California until I decided to kind of move to Osaka. Yeah. About 10 years ago. And I'm that was from- a big move. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, like, culture shock is real here. Like, yeah. It's a very different culture. It's, it's awesome, but it's just so different. And that's, that's what I wanted. So mm-hmm. it didn't disappoint. Okay. You got what you were looking for. And more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Celia? Yeah, I'm from Australia. I'm from South Australia. So I actually grew up on a farm (laughs) um, in country South Australia. And um, I left the farm when I was 13 years old and went to boarding school in Adelaide, which was the closest city to us. Mm -hmm. And then I studied journalism at university and um, I lived abroad for a bit. I did a student exchange in Sweden and then a working holiday in Ireland. And then I traveled South America for three months. And then I worked as a journalist in Australia for two years before moving to Japan. Oh, wow. Okay, quite a diverse background yeah. there. Yeah. Great. And you're, where did you study at university, Celia? Um, I studied at the University of South Australia because they had um, a journalism program and, yeah, it's my home state. Um, But when I went on student exchange, I studied in um, Umeå at Umeå Mm -hmm. University in Sweden, which is right up north in Sweden. It's just below the Arctic Circle. So that was Mm -hmm. definitely a different experience for me, especially because I had never seen snow before or anything like that. So I really loved that. Yeah, that's amazing. And did you learn Swedish as well? Yeah, I, I, I was only there for six months, but I did do a little beginner's Swedish course while I was there. And Swedish is really, really um, hard to pronounce. It's not like mm-hmm. Japanese. Just Japanese is so easy to pronounce. Thank goodness, because there are so <laughs> many difficult aspects of the language. But yeah, Swedish is so hard to pronounce. So I remember finding it really, really difficult. And it was also difficult to practice when we were there because everybody speaks English. So as soon as they heard that you, <laughs> right. that Swedish wasn't your native language, they would just switch to English without even thinking. Whereas in Japan, that's like much less common because right. English isn't, isn't hugely spoken here and people are usually relieved if you start speaking Japanese. Yeah, not even, in people, that's the thing people want to know, especially in like, you think, oh, it's Osaka, big city. It's like, mm-hmm. nope, there's, a, there's <laughs> no. not as much English as you think. Nope. Yeah. Oh, Okay. But are so they kind of, pretty understanding about you when you're trying to speak Japanese? Do they? Oh, oh totally. Yeah. They're just relieved if you even speak one word of Japanese. <laughs> they're like, right. oh, good. You know, yeah. they're trying, you know. That's, that's really great because that helps they're you very, a lot too in your learning process. They're lovely. Yeah. In yeah. the culture. Yeah. So, 
back to your business, you, you went with a language company to begin with. It sounds like you've had an entrepreneurial journey um, with a few businesses then. You started yeah. with a language school and then where did you go from there? Tell it's us. funny, we didn't, neither of us were naturally entrepreneurial. Neither of us ever intended to be business owners, I don't know. No, think. I think it just evolved out of, because of the, the lifestyle. Because of the magazine. Well too. Yeah, because yeah. we got yeah. a job. We got a job editing a local travel magazine and we had to do that on the side of our salary job, which was the English teaching and curriculum writing job and social mm -hmm. media management for Jason. And yeah, so we kind of inadvertently started a freelance writing and photography business through editing for this magazine, didn't we? Because well, because yeah, we were getting approached. So we we're getting opportunities were here. And then so people are like from airline magazines and different websites or they see our names in these in this magazine and they're like, oh, hey, could you do something for us? We're like, sure. Yeah, so and it kind of grew that way. Something that was happening because of the, well, the, this year there was supposed to be the Olympics in Tokyo. <laughs> right. So mm -hmm. for the last few years leading up to that, um, a lot of like airlines have started flying to Osaka and new yeah. lo like LCCs, low cost carriers have mm -hmm. been popping up and all of their in-flight magazines needed articles about Osaka. But, ah. Yeah, they didn't know any travel writers here, so they would email our magazine saying, hey, yeah. do you know any writers who could write a piece on Osaka for us? And we just always took them on. So that's how we accidentally started a, a content a writing, yeah. Yeah, a content yeah. writing photography business, which yeah. we did for a couple of years before um, moving into the digital marketing for financial planners. Yeah. So you basically did that for two, three years? The yeah. Magazine? Okay. So Oh, the magazine. Oh, the was magazine was like, for five years. Yeah. For longer, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the freelance writing, like travel writing and photography and mm. digital marketing, was about two years before moving into bonsai. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Great. So now, now you have bonsai. What would you mm. consider, or who would you consider, an ideal client for your business? Yeah. Mm. So we serve financial planners and advisors. Yeah. So those, that's our niche. Mm -hmm. Um. And Companies so or individual entrepreneurs, what are what consulting, what, what kind of small to medium, small to medium sized yeah. businesses that are financial okay. firms. Yeah. So sometimes it's a single operator, but um, sometimes it's a firm of two or three and, and sometimes it's, it's more. Yeah. Um, we have um, medium sized yeah. ones as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what do you like most about your job there, your new one with your business? I think that the best part is showing financial advisors how the human aspects mm. of marketing can be so effective for them, like storytelling and um, just speaking speaking people's language because financial advisors are often like quite red-brained people. They're quite numbers-oriented, quite logic-oriented, but that's, mm. not how, that's not how people buy, is it? Mm -hmm. um, people, right. Oh. People when they buy, they usually make an emotional decision. And especially when it comes to your finances, right? You want to feel safe and secure and, like, and understood and like someone's going to, you know, take care of you and your finances. And so speaking logically to people doesn't always work in terms of onboarding a client. So we really enjoy teaching financial advisors how to tell stories yeah. and, um, you know, show people the human side of financial planning, not just the black and white numbers on the page, you know? Right. Yeah. That's a, a great, so it's kind of like a, more of a heart connection kind of, exactly. of dealing with people than in, in the business rather than a logical one. 
Is that right? Because yeah. yeah. at the end of the day, people don't really, they don't want to do business with businesses. They want to do business with people. Yeah. And so when, yeah. like they understand that and it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then kind of taking them on that journey. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's, it's actually really rewarding. And if you hire a financial planner it's, or a financial advisor, it's because you don't understand the, the complexity of these numbers and what everything means. And that's emotional, right? So mm-hmm. financial planners have to understand how to appeal to that side of people to, you know, understand people's pains and desires and illustrate that they're able to help them. Um, they have the skills to do that. That's great. How do you attract most of your clients? So we do LinkedIn direct outreach. So mm-hmm. we reach out to financial planners on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the, chief, the chief way that we um, find people. Okay. Um, and then once we, you know, connect with them on LinkedIn, then we'll often add them to our email list or we'll add them to, we've got a Facebook group for financial planners to help them with their marketing as well, mm-hmm. free Facebook group. And yeah, that's how we do it. Good. Do you have other languages that you could use, both of you together, if you needed to, like German or Swedish or French or Spanish? Well, the good news is, obviously, this digital marketing formula that we apply can be used in any language. You just mm-hmm. need to be able to speak it. Now, we're only fluent in English, so we only serve English-speaking clients. However, if they're in Germany or in any other country, as long as they can speak to us in English, we can help them. If not, they just need to find a digital marketer who speaks their language and all the same principles apply. Yeah. Okay, that's great to know too, yeah. So with all the success you've achieved so far, what is your biggest challenge in your business right now? Oh, um, right Yeah, I would say um, getting financial advisors to understand the value of niching down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So often when we ask financial advisors, who's your ideal client, they can't really tell us. They say, oh, oh, well, we've got uh, some construction businesses, we've got some hairdressers, we've mm-hmm. got some marketing businesses, and most of them are afraid of, of picking a niche mm-hmm. because they think it's going to limit their reach in the marketplace. But actually what happens when you pick a niche is that everyone from that niche becomes interested in you. So like us, we picked financial planners for a reason because we want to provide the go-to marketing solution for financial planners all around the world. Mm-hmm. And if, if every financial planner knows that we specialize in financial, in marketing for financial planning, then of course they're going to pick us over someone who's just a generalist marketer yeah. who doesn't yes. have the solution for financial planners. And it's the same for financial planners. So if financial planners have a signature solution for plumbers, Mm-hmm. and they only, you know, they, they specialise in plumbing and construction, then every construction and plumbing company is going to go to them because it's like, oh, well, we know that they help us specifically. And they understand and they, specifically our pain points. And, and yes, um, well business. said. So, yeah, th- like it seems counterintuitive at first, like, you know, why would I limit myself to other customers? But it's, yeah, you're, if you can niche down and speak, specifically to people it's really powerful yeah basically if you try to appeal to everyone you'll appeal to no one that's the theory that's right in today's business we often hear about the avatars you know about your your avatar your target audience who who exactly is the person do you have an avatar in your business yeah so yeah. yeah so we do we make avatars based on our financial advisor clients 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two really. We have an avatar that has a medium-sized firm with the marketing coordinator and they've got different needs and pains and desires than the single operator avatar. So we have, we work with those two avatars. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And so what would you say is your, your big goal for the next 12 months? Ooh, I, I think. Oh, there's a lot of, there is a few. (laughs) You have a few goals. It's hard to, what would be the big one? I guess the big one is just um, getting out there in the marketplace and being known for having the signature solution for marketing for small and medium-sized financial planning firms. Yeah, continuing to Just to be, to be known as the people that do that and, and if we are known and liked and trusted by, by financial planners as the people who do that, then it will be much easier to fill our group programs and, and take on clients and have a thriving business. That's great. What do you think the one thing could be that could hold you back from reaching that goal? Um, the one thing that will hold us back is if we're not, if we don't operate like good business people and we don't outsource tasks that can be outsourced. Oh, that's huge. Yes. Yeah. I know we about work, that. <laughs> yes. yeah. so we work with a fantastic business coach in Sydney mm-hmm. and he is an outsourcing king. That's his, he's a business systems guru and that's what he teaches. Basically he's like, your business will never outgrow you. So if you don't outsource tasks and stay in your genius zone, then your business will stay small and it won't grow to its full potential. So that's probably our biggest barrier, especially me. Like I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit worried about outsourcing certain tasks to other people because I, you know, I worry that they won't do as good of a job as me, but I have to kind of get over that and build a team because otherwise, yeah, the business won't grow to its full potential. And you spend okay. a lot of time working on stuff that, you know, it's, it's could be too delegated. Time, too time consuming and you, you don't won't grow that way. You don't yeah. stay in your genius zone. Yeah. That's right. You can't do everything yourself. I agree with that one. I'm focus catering more to the people that were our clients and things the delivery, like that. Yeah, we yeah. want to focus on the delivery. Absolutely. So you mentioned LinkedIn as one of your major ways to uh, market your business. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Do you have, is that working for you or is that the main thing that's working for you to attract more business? hundred percent. It's the LinkedIn outreach strategy underpins our entire prospecting strategy. So basically LinkedIn has this tool called sales navigator. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard, but it, it allows you to put together lists of your ideal clients mm-hmm. and then to reach out to each of them. So we reach out to, it depends on the day, we might reach out to 20, 30 or 40 financial planners a day and start conversations with them. And um, then we get them, you know, interested in what we do and we find out if they have marketing challenges and if they'd like to get on a chat with us and talk about it. And, you know, inevitably people are interested and they are facing the problems we think they're facing. And um, yeah, so we get on, on a Zoom chat with them and um, talk about their situations and talk about if we can provide a way forward. Yeah, that sounds anyone, wonderful. Anyone listening, if, you, if you're an entrepreneur or have your own business, like you have to be on LinkedIn. Yeah, use Sales Navigator to find your ideal clients. That's yeah, you tip. have to leverage it. It's just, it's such a valuable tool. Fantastic. Oh, great. Okay, that's valuable information for us. Thank you. So you were, you would like to eventually, uh, I know that you'd like to go back to Australia when you're able 
would you be having some customer contact or your client contact uh, outside of the virtual world in Australia since most of your clients are Australian? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We've been discussing this a lot yeah. with our business coach. Our business coach is, and I actually agree with him, he's adamant that you, you have to set boundaries with clients and basically there's there should be two ways that your clients see you, either a Zoom chat or they come into your office to see you. He, he's not big on you, client side right. visits, is he? Right, because right. it's quite time consuming and yeah, basically his theory, and I totally agree with him because you can feel this when you do this, his theory is clients come to you and salespeople go to go to their clients. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're not salespeople. We are experts in marketing. We're marketing consultants and we have a solution for people. And um, yeah, so basically for us, I think it's going to be mostly over Zoom, particularly because they'll be in different states than us. A lot of our clients are in different states, so it's impossible to go and see them anyway. But yeah. even, even on principle, I think, you know, it'll be a Zoom chat yeah. or if, if they must see us face to face, then we meet together in an office. Yeah, that's great. What about the automated uh, trend in business today? Could you see your business being automated at some point? Um, there are several aspects of our business that we already automate okay. um, because we have a digital marketing business. So a lot of the outreach, the LinkedIn direct outreach, we automate the connections, mm -hmm. um, but we don't automate all of the conversations because you don't want to feel like you're talking to a robot. But there are certain aspects of the outreach that we already automate. Obviously, we have courses. So we're only in business a year, but after we've been in business a couple of years, we'll have courses that people can buy through digital funnels, which can be automated from, you know, Great. for example, Facebook mm -hmm. ads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So aspects of the business can be automated, but obviously we don't want to lose that client facing um, authentic delivery. Yes. Um, that's a tricky part, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so we'll always, have, we'll always have that, but we'll automate whatever we can that makes sense that doesn't, you know, kind of damage the customer experience. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderfully said. Great. So thank you. Well, what would you two like to share that I didn't ask you today? Well, just um, from a marketing perspective, any tips for entrepreneurs or business people, you know, really think about um, that ideal client and what their pains and desires are and try to talk to those pains and desires on your LinkedIn profile and on your website. So um, often we find business owners' websites don't um, aren't set up to convert leads. So it's very, very simple to do this. You just need to make sure you have some calls to action on your website. So there might be a free training or a, a, a useful resource that people can sign up for using their email. And then you have their email address and you can add them to an email marketing list. Um, you know, just set up your, your website and your LinkedIn profile to, um, you know, so that prospects that visit them can take the next logical step with you, make it yes. easy for them to, to, yeah, take the next logical step with you and, and become a client if they're the ideal client. Yeah. That's you always great. want to make it clear, like, there's never like, well, what should I do next? There's, whatever your business is, it's like, there should be a clear next A clear action. path for yeah. the prospects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Is there somewhere we can send our listeners to learn more about you both and your business? Yeah. Well, our website is uh, www.bonsaidigitalmarketing.com. 
<laughs> we're, we're laughing because we, there's a, yeah, there's we, a stand saw, up. we saw yeah. a comedy skit the other day, Michael McIntyre's Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he pay, he makes fun of people who say www dot because oh, of okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll edit that out. We're just, we're bonsai digital marketing. marketing. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, um, we also have a, a Facebook business page that you can contact us through. Bonsai Digital Marketing again is the title. And um, our LinkedIn profiles, of course, Celia Pokemon, Jackson Hyder. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, there's lots of ways Feel you can find us online. On our Facebook page, we're offering like a lot of just, you know, free value of like, you're not sure where to start with, you know, kind of sprucing up your LinkedIn page. We're, we're putting out videos for free for people to kind of learn tips and tricks about kind of optimizing their profile and things like that. So I um, encourage anyone, even if you're not in financial planning, you just have a small business and you want a few tips. Yeah, the, the principles are all the same. Yeah, get on there and, and introduce yourself and we're happy to have a chat. That's great. Perfect. Thank you for all this valuable advice today. You're yeah, welcome. It's been you so good to on. chat. Yeah, I know. Great to have you on the show. And I hope we see each other again here soon. Yes, absolutely. Too. Best of luck. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In episode five, I'll be joined by Martin Yosevite who will be sharing the importance of maintaining balance in our work and health and his expertise in Qigong. Please take this opportunity to subscribe, download, rate, and review. See you next week. Hey, thank you for joining us this week on English for Entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to visit iTunes and like and subscribe. And please tell your friends all about it too. Stay tuned next week for more fun and valuable tips on improving your English for business.